Welcome to the Brave Little Podcast. Coming from California, here's Aaron Alvarado and David Stauffer. Welcome to the Brave Little Podcast. Live from an undisclosed quarantined location, it's Aaron Alvarado. Aaron, how you doing? I'm doing much better. I went uh, and got my uh, Purell and oh, um, all my disinfectants, so I am now feeling great. Were you... I sealed off the doors in my apartment, so no virus can get in or out. I'll tell you, the local Safeway at Rock in Rockland, California, no hand sanitizer, no, no. toilet paper, no, no a backup toilet paper, or in other words, downy. Um. <laughs> I thought you were going to say newspaper. <laughs> That's the real backup. <laughs> um you know, what's funny is, is I think there's a little extra heat in this neighborhood, given that the first confirmed death in the state of California just happened a few miles down the road at the Kaiser Memo- uh, the Kaiser Hospital in Roseville, California. So I live in the adjacent city. So uh, I think people feel like since we have the honor of, you know, um, I guess having hosting the first fatality is probably not the right word. Um, <laughs> um, you know, uh, I mean, Lindsay and I went and drove by. We paid our respects. Um but because of that, we feel like we're maybe we're more susceptible. But if there's anything that this whole coronavirus has taught me, it's that we're good at keeping things, you know, contained and quarantined oh, yeah. and just we're, com- we're under we're control. We're so prepared. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I know. A lot of people tried to say we weren't, but they were wrong. <laughs> we have the best tests. I don't know if you've heard our, our, our president tremendous. talk about this. They're the tremendous tests. They're, They're the best perfect tests. tests. A plus tests. Yeah. 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 Just like his uh, phone call with Ukraine. Perfect. Perfect. It was perfect. Perfect, perfect transcript. Oh, gosh. Um, do you feel a little bit grateful that even if you did get coronavirus, that there's just such a slim chance of you dying because you're young and healthy? Uh, it Honestly, it does feel pretty good. I mean, feels- this is... This is why I'm not wearing a mask at this very moment. <laughs> I'm I'm sucking in all the air that I can. Just constantly oh, mouth breathing everywhere. <laughs> well, look, I'll tell you what. Coronavirus is it's certainly no joke. It's certainly no hoax. Um, and it's a very real thing. But it's not real enough to keep me from going to the theaters this weekend to see my Never. man Ben Affleck in his redemptive tale, The Way Back, which I'm going to be honest with you. I thought I was when I wanted to see The Way Back, I thought I was seeing the 2010 film The Way Back with Ed Harris. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know? I do. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, I believe it takes place in Siberia, Siberian prisoners in World War Two. Honestly, this that movie was less grueling than to than to see what Ben Affleck's character went through in the way back, <laughs> which we will talk about. Uh, I, we're going to talk about the movie. We're not going to spoil it, mostly because uh, people haven't seen it. Um, and then we're going to rank our five favorite Ben Affleck performances, right? Not movies, but performances. He's had so quite a career, so I think oh, it's time. Oh, yeah, he's had a heck of a career. Um, and, uh, before we go, just totally diving in on the Ben Affleck stuff. Can I, can you grant me maybe just one political rant here? I we oh, don't get political yes. on the pod. We don't, this is not a political pod and I don't want to, uh, you know, be divisive among our loyal listeners of both conservative and liberal groups. But I feel like I have at least a bipartisan ish rant that I need to get off my chest. Will you allow something, me this? Yeah. Did you see something in the news that's bothering you? Perhaps. <laughs> Other than coronavirus, <laughs> <laughs> that honestly that is like dominating the, That's news, the news right now. It's That's crazy. It's all yeah. it is. Yeah. Um. So it seems that the Democratic Party has started to zero in on their candidate um, of choice. I say that it's the party's choice rather than the people's choice. For I say that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean Super Tuesday happened, and uh, for those of you who didn't pay attention. Um, I would say Joe Biden overperformed expectations, unfortunately, uh, or I mean, whatever. Um, Bernie underperformed, I think. No, I'll say it. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for for anyone that's under the age of fifty, it is unfortunate because that is the the great divide in the party at this moment. If you're over fifty, you voted for the guy with the mashed potatoes for brains. If you're under fifty. Oh, oh, oh my God! <laughs> I'll go there. Because so, it's, it's pissing me off. It's driving me okay. crazy. Okay. So this is my rant. <laughs> my rant is related to this thing. And what I mean that by that specifically is um, I'm concerned 
that uh, one of the two major parties um, in, in, in United States politics is on the verge of nominating someone for president who is um, not fully functioning from a mental capacity. This is not, this is someone that, and this is not, look, much has been made since the party has coalesced around Biden and super in his Super Tuesday results. Much has been made about how it should be off limits and completely out of bounds to mention anything about his mental stability. And I'm talking about his decline, okay? This is what happens when people get old, okay? Some people are able to keep it together longer than others. We know this. I've had four grandparents. I've witnessed it as they get older. Some are able to keep their mental faculties about themselves a little bit longer. Some lose it earlier. That's just the reality of the of human life, the body, mm-hmm. the condition. That's just, it is what it is. I think that it doesn't take a scientist, a doctor, or whatever to watch any public appearance from the Honorable Vice President Joe Biden from the past year, 18 months, and wonder if we're not getting a version of him that would be, um, you know, best suited in the Oval. And um, and I, I, I've noticed that there's been a conversation on the left about how that's outrageous to question and how dare you and that's off limits. We shouldn't, you know, it's such a it's it's a low blow to mention Joe Biden might not be um, totally all there. It might not have his wits about him. But it's the most disingenuous and absurd line of attack. I think I think a president, a president, a major presidential candidate's mental faculty should absolutely be on the table. And I say that because in lead up to 2016 election, much was made about Trump's mental state as well. It should have been because I also think that he is not operating at full mental capacity. I, oh, yeah. I think he's, there's there's I mean, no doubt about that. He's not. He's not. No. I mean, it's like he's a 12 year old. He's like a 12 year old trolling on Twitter and he's in the, right. in the White House. He's an obvious narcissist. I mean, this is someone who is incapable of reading their daily intelligence briefing. And I think it's 100% inbounds to go after him for that. Like, this is a right. dude that is that is falling apart. But those same people that attacked Trump in 2016 for that are saying, no, you can't. How dare you say this about Biden? And I just think that's disingenuous. Like, it's, we should be awful. having this conversation. Yeah. I mean, Joe Biden is 77 years old. Yeah. Here's the thing. I watched every single debate, every single one of them. They never asked him if he was too old. They didn't. They just didn't. The one time that someone semi-attacked him was uh, uh, Julian Castro. Yes. Said if yeah. he, he forgot what he said. And he did. Like, th- this is the thing that really pissed me off. I'm not a <laughs> Julio Castro fan by any means. But when he correctly assessed that Joe Biden forgot what he said and he called him out on it, the entire world, the entire Democratic Party said that's off limits. You can't do that. Yeah, it, it's completely hypocritical uh, because, yeah, no, like you said, totally. Trump yeah. has been in mental decline. If you go back to 2016 when he was debating Trump himself, he was way more coherent than he is now. And even back then, he was barely coherent. Barely. So, so yeah, barely. his brain is melting. Joe Biden has had two aneurysms in his life. Two. He yeah. had two brain aneurysms in his in his life. We don't know. He hasn't had a, a mental. Uh, from what I understand, he has not had a mental checkup or a. Uh, an exam on, on his brain since 2014. So, well, why would he? This, I would, exactly. if I were him, I would decline. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it is malfeasance to say that to put this old man out there who looks senile, who sounds senile, and he doesn't know where he is. He he's forgetting people's names. He's blaming it on a stutter, a stutter by the way that he never had over the, his entire run in politics. Or yeah, maybe he had it when he was a kid in the White House. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so it, it's terrible. It's awful, and it's just uh, it's it's the latest um, it's the latest way that they can uh, rally around this this poor old man. And I say it's poor because I, I do feel bad. Look, he's had a, he's had I an illustrious career. For him. He's yeah. he's been in the, he's done it for a long time. And I do I'm genuinely grateful for his service. I disagree with a lot of the things that he's done. He voted sure. for the war in Iraq. Uh, he's done a number of things that I I personally disagree with. But I do feel like he's gen he seems to be at least genuinely tries to be a good person like he seems to be someone that's like you know not operating in in bad faith and is is really trying to serve their country and for that service i'm grateful for but um joe i i'm i want you to be able to enjoy the rest of your life and retire and and you know enjoy it with your loved ones and and your family but this this whoever convinced him to do this was just did immigrate to service because 
this is a difficult, exhausting. I mean, campaigning is is exhausting. I mean, actually, the actual job itself, which he knows a, a thing or two about being vice president for two terms, but still, it's like, I just don't see this going well. He shouldn't be out there. The the campaign is. I mean, there was a stretch in this primary campaign where they just kept him from doing public events for many weeks. Uh, he's only speaking yeah, I mean, in short bursts. They're trying to yes. control it. So, it, and that's exactly not good. That's in not this good. last week, you had you had uh, two different reporters go on their TV show and beg his campaign to let them interview the front runner of the party. <laughs> it is mind blowing. Could you how imagine he's being hidden? Could you imagine being an employee of that campaign and having to? I mean, I, I understand why they're doing that. And I would be doing the exact same thing if I were in their shoes. Right. I, your job is to keep a pres- presidential candidate from making public appearances or making public statements. That's a that's a tough ask. That's yeah, hard. I mean, yeah, I, I just think it's, uh, it's a ra- really bad idea to get behind this guy. But obviously, that's what they're doing. So we know how it's going to well, end. No, I mean, yeah, it, there's, no, there's no, there's no, we know how this story yeah. ends. There's no question, unfortunately. So, and, and I mean, it's. I said I wouldn't get too political. Here I am. Uh, I mean, it's no secret that I'm not a fan of Donald Trump, but it just it's um, it's well, you're one of those never Trumpers, right? No, no, I'm not a Republican <laughs> um, anymore. <laughs> so, I mean, I've switched. Par- look, I've switched party affiliations more than once. I will say that much. Mm, um, but uh, when it, I mean, this is all but guaranteeing four more years of the current president. So whether or not that's a good or a bad thing. You know, it's it is certain. I'm going to say right now it's a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. I don't think it's great. No, I don't know. Look at the stock market. Not great. No, I'm kidding. I don't care. That's that's not the measure of a good president. They have really no control over that. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's go to my president, my personal president, uh, Mr. Benjamin A. Affleck. Um, Why hasn't he played the president before? He played a senator. Oh, He's yeah. Never played a, a president. Uh, state of play, right? State of play. Yep. Ooh. Yeah, that's the closest he's gotten to the presidency, huh? <laughs> Was wow. that? And then um, he's been on uh, Bill Maher's show a few times talking politics. Mm. A few Some ill-advised rough, appearances, I might say. Rough appearances. On... I might say. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about Ben Affleck as a whole. I'm curious. I know you're a big fan of Ben. You've always been rooting for Ben. How did you first get introduced to Ben Affleck's body of work? Do you remember the first movie you saw him in? Do you remember when you were in on Ben? Sure, yeah. So the first movie I ever watched that he was in was Mallrats. That's when I first became aware of him. Oh, Kevin Smith. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So that and that's where I was really introduced to his work uh, through the Kevin Smith universe. He's worked on I think five or six different movies with Kevin. Um, they're longtime collaborators, and really, Kevin's the one that uh, gave him, I, I would say, more work before he really established himself as a leading man. So I think he has a lot, um, a lot to do with his success. And actually, Kevin Smith is. Um, one of the people responsible for getting uh, Goodwill Hunting in the hands of Harvey Weinstein. So, oh. um, yeah, there's a lot of stories about Goodwill Hunting and who helped, like Rob Reiner, yep. and, and all, you know, it, so, it sounds like there were a lot of people that helped shepherd that film. Definitely, um, yeah, and I, and I think that it, it was uh, all the iterations are sound really interesting, and I think these Matt and Ben are just like so supremely talented that um, yeah, I mean they were going to succeed whatever they whatever they decide to do yeah but i think they've both been acting for a long time long they've time. been in um did you ever see uh school ties the movie school ties oh sure yeah yeah of course yeah that's so. yeah that's that's baby matt um, the baby yeah baby matt and ben they're both in it, so. yeah that's right yeah i remember matt damon um for obvious reasons but yeah that's yeah they're both in that's crazy 1992 that movie came out so mall rats though came out before, that was pre-goodwill hunting yeah, so Mallrats was in '95. Um, Goodwill Hunting was in '97. Yeah. Same year as oh, Chasing 97. Amy. So, oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so that was when you were introduced to him. Is that also when you were in on it? Is that when you really like? What's so? Was there a movie that solidified your fandom? It's Chasing Amy. So yeah, oh. Mallrats, and then the next follow up was Chasing Amy, and he he's one of the co leads in that movie, and yeah. I think he's just. Um, I think he was awesome in that. And I think that's talking about his best performances. That's one of them chasing Amy by far. That's really when he got a chance to uh, display his acting chops. Um, he played like the confused lovelorn uh, leading man uh, who I, you haven't seen chasing Amy. And I, I recommend I not, anyone, I any, I, that is a movie. It's by far Kevin Smith's best movie um, because it's an actual movie. <laughs> 
His other ones, okay. I don't know. Well, there's say, something. I don't know. Tusk wasn't bad. Uh, <laughs> was good. <laughs> so Chasing Amy is like, it's a movie that's, uh, I would say it's ahead of its time because it's so challenging. Um, it, the, the, basically, the, the story is um, these two comic book artists uh, uh, played by um, Ben Affleck and Jason Lee. Um, they're up and coming. They have these characters um, who are like, breaking into the mainstream and these are two independent guys that have just struggled their whole life and they're trying to they're trying to struggle with developing these characters and taking them into the mainstream um, and losing their way and kind of establishing um, what they want these characters to be and and what you know they want to do with their careers and along the way um, uh, Ben Affleck's character falls for this girl that he meets at a bar and oh she's actually she's also a comic book artist and they form this relationship and and uh, the only problem is she's gay and he doesn't know that at first. So he has like these feelings for her and um, it's all about exploring the relationship and uh, the, where it goes. It's, it's a really interesting, really um, adult movie that Kevin Smith made and um, really complicated. And I think that it, the way that it tackles uh, relationships, romance and, and love is really interesting. I think it's uh, came out in 97, but it feels really timeless and I recommend anyone go see it. It's a very complicated movie, but I think it's great. Do you have any idea if it's streaming anywhere? I don't know if okay. I'm sure it is. It might be on Netflix. I don't know, but it, it's, it's so good. I, I think um, if you like Kevin Smith, obviously you've probably already seen it, but yeah, anyone that, um, that likes the nineties the aesthetic of uh, independent films, like this is, this is it. Like this movie looks like an independent cheap film from the mid nineties. Um, very, very low budget, but they got a lot out of it. So I just think it's, this is, it's one of my favorite movies by far. So, so I, I became aware of Ben Affleck, certainly for the goodwill hunting, the whole, I, I didn't actually see the movie when it came out. Um, I just remember the Oscar win for screenwriting. Yeah. And that was kind of like this viral clip of him and Matt Damon, just like, just overly enthusiastic beside themselves in their acceptance speech. Now, the first movie I actually experienced uh, seeing Ben Affleck in was Armageddon. Pearl Harbor. Oh, <laughs> no. So, I mean, shortly after, what, a couple of years later, um, Armageddon, which was like a tour de force. Like, I mean, just iconic movie performance. Mm -hmm. Say what you will of the movie critically. Right. It's the d big, dumb Michael Bay action. But like that for, for me, that was Ben Affleck charisma leading man. Uh, an, an iconic scene with Liv Tyler and the little animal crackers. Um, I mean, just imagery that I'll never forget. It's He's so good in that movie. And at that point in my life, I don't remember what, what year Armageddon came out. When in the mid-90s? 98. 98? Yep. Okay. So I'm, what, 11 or – yeah. So for me, Bruce Willis was my favorite actor in the world at that point. Um, thanks to Sixth Sense, uh, Unbreakable, I think, I think had come out at that point. The TV show Moonlighting. Moonlighting, certainly. Um, um, <laughs> the, uh, the movie about the, uh, the two zombie women, what was it called? Um, Die Hard. Uh, for, yes, Die Hard. <laughs> 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 uh, um, no, I'm forgetting the name of it. It's driving me crazy. I can't believe I'm forgetting it. Uh. But he has a he's a, a gosh dang it I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up while while we're talking later and I, I'm gonna abruptly interrupt you minutes well, later Ar while you're talking. That's a great Bruce Willis performance. <laughs> Bruce Willis is great. Bruce yeah. Willis is great. So I, I was a big fan of Bruce Willis, but I also didn't know better. Like mm -hmm. what you know, Bruce Willis really is kind of one note, but what he can do, he does so well. And uh, and yeah, I mean, obviously Die Hard is like the I mean, it's the, maybe the greatest action movie of all time. Certainly the greatest Chris Christmas movie. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I went for Bruce Willis and I got this Ben Affleck performance, which then later was in Pearl Harbor, which again, I wasn't quite old enough to know what a bad movie was. So me seeing that, I was just like, I, I wasn't old enough to recognize that it was a bad movie, but I was old enough to recognize that, like, uh, this was a pretty complicated love triangle that he had found himself in with Josh Hartnett <laughs> and Kate Beckinsale. And I was old enough to know, like, I ain't about that life. Like, no, no. thanks. No, thanks. And that was honestly, that was the moment in my life. I decided not to be a pilot. I was like, no, <laughs> this is what the, this is what it leads to that. I have to I end up with a woman where I have to raise the child of, that she had with my best friend. I'm not. No, no, thank you. Plus, there also the bombing of Pearl Harbor seemed like a bad time. But um, <laughs> so on. So I, I got introduced to him as the action hero. And what I think what's interesting about that is we've we've seen this kind of actor archetype come through that through, you know, 
I mean, since the dawn of Hollywood, the kind of pretty boy is starts in maybe ro- romance. And I don't know that's necessarily been the case for Ben Affleck, but they maybe get cast for their looks and maybe their charisma, but then they, tr- they have to outgrow that to show that they're really, really good actors as well. Like Leon- Leonardo DiCaprio certainly had an element of that. And he has proven that it's not his looks that was where, you know, is why he's getting these parts. Ryan Gosling certainly went through that with the notebook and he had to really do some pretty far out weird indie projects to show that he's capable. Robert Pattinson certainly mm-hmm. did this. Exactly. He's um, a perfect example of that. Ben Affleck is interesting because I actually think Ben Affleck's a good actor, but he is also willing to do, he's willing to just be Batman in the middle of him being one of the best directors on the planet, like going on the string of success as a filmmaker, as a creator, as well as an actor. And then he'll just go and be Batman for a couple movies um, and then go and be in these. And so I feel like he's more willing to, to just kind of, I don't know. I don't know if it's, he has no shame or what it is, but like I can tell he wants to make sure people know he's a good actor, but he's also not above acting in things that maybe Leo wouldn't take. But, um, but yeah, yeah, I, I mean, that he, I, I don't think he has the chops of a Leo. Uh, no, he's definitely he, not. That, but he's not. I think what's underrated is his directing skills. I think he's well, a fine the, director. Yeah, he's incredible. I mean, yeah. he's directed. So what is it? Four or three? Four, four movies. I think it's, okay. it's four Gone movies. Girl, the the town. No, not Gone Girl. He didn't. Gone direct- Baby Gone. Oh, Gone Baby Gone. He starred yeah. in Gone Girl. Yes. Um, Gone Baby Gone, the town, Argo, and then Live by Night. So that's three for four. That's exactly. That's, that's like really good. Um, and it was even better when he started three for three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a big miss on number four. But uh, uh, so all, he had you some other cons- issues going on at the time. <laughs> and imagine. Uh, yeah. So that's the story of Ben Affleck. Right. And we're going to talk about that in his new movie. It's almost as autobiographical. But consider the fact that Ben Affleck also has a little brother. That is definitely a superior actor. Part of that is also that Casey Affleck is not a traditionally attractive man. He's not going to be a hunk. He's not going to get the Ben Affleck Armageddon role or Pearl Harbor role. He's not going to be there with Kate Beckinsale and Josh Hartnett and Pearl Harbor. I can guarantee you that. Um, he's going to be, you know, Robert Ford assassinating, uh, you know, Jesse James. Um, <laughs> the coward Robert Ford. The coward get Robert right. Ford. Yeah. Sorry. Um but uh, I, I wonder if that at all influences his decision to what like what roles to take, knowing that his little brother has become. I mean, he's his little brother's won an Oscar for acting. Ben Affleck has won two Oscars, neither for acting, right? I think that's correct for screenwriting and then for Best Picture on Argo. Yeah, that's right. But I, I do want to talk about him as the actor in terms of performances. So I we're going to list our five favorites. I know we've talked about some of his movies now. Um, what did you have at number five for your favorite Affleck performances? So number five is Armageddon. I okay. think we hit on that. And I think that that Armageddon is the first time he was, uh, he got to be a leading man in, in a tent pole summer. Uh, I don't know if it came out in the summer, but it was yeah, definitely a summer like blockbuster. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. It um, did. yeah. So that was his first time. It's so funny. Like if you go back and watch his earlier movies, he was a little bit chubbier, was not as polished. Um, and then, so this, that's his Kevin Smith era. Once he t- goes into Armageddon, he leaned out for sure. He definitely leaned out. He actually mm-hmm. got his teeth fixed. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Oh, and uh, yeah, so he he got the leading man treatment, and and it shows in Armageddon. He's he's great as leading leading man, um, which is hard to do in a movie that is filled with stars like that movie. I think Armageddon is one of the greatest action movies I've ever seen. It's so incredibly wow. balanced the way it. I think it's. It's so much fun that it's a movie that I can watch just repeatedly. Um, yeah, it's not perfect by any means. It's actually it's so pretty fun, cheesy. though. It is incredibly fun, um, I, and I think it's it's one of my favorite action movies, certainly. But Ben Affleck is one, is part of the reason because he's so good in that. Um, his relationship with Liv Tyler, it, it feels like a, good, uh, a decent relationship in a movie that shouldn't have that type of connection that the two main stars have it's just two great performances budding up against each other um and then of course bruce willis and you have that entire cast but it if you had a lesser person in that leading man role which is what he has that leading man role um although bruce willis is kind of the co-lead in a way but ben affleck is definitely supposed to be the star if it was someone not as charismatic not as someone with that presence he would have blended into the background easily because of how many other great actors in that movie uh, but he doesn't. He stands out. So it's a great performance. 
That's great. I'm really happy Armageddon made your list. Um, not going to be my top five, but it is. Mm-hmm. I, I always will always have a soft spot in my heart for that movie. But the animal the, cracker scene. Come animal on. cracker scene. Leaving on a jet plane. Yeah. I think I've told the, the story before, but I, I saw a Sundance film called Robot and Frank that stars Liv Tyler as well as uh, James Marsden and um, Frank Langella. But anyway, there was a Q&A and Liv Tyler was on stage and I was with my buddy. His name is Michael Hyland and I'm comfortable saying his full name. Michael <laughs> Nielsen Hyland. And he, and this is the type of friend that, you know, uh, is capable um, and uh, and able to do anything um, and uh, is courageous. The most, maybe the most courageous person I know because. No shame. He wanted to ask, he had some very specific questions for Miss Tyler. Um, and it had nothing to do about, you know, it weren't questions regarding her upbringing, being raised by a rock star, uh, a modern rock <laughs> legend. There were all questions around the animal cracker scenes. Um, very specific questions. How many boxes had they gone through? Did they, you know, were they eating them like in, in between the sets? Just how they choreographed um, some of the the setup of the animal crackers and the whole thing. And, and he just, he wanted to answer to his questions. And I, I begged and pleaded with him. I said, now is not, we can't do this. Yet. We're in a room, <laughs> we're at the Echo Theater in Park City in the middle of Sundance film in a room full of elitists from East Coast and L.A., uh, who will boo a him. lot of Biden supporters in there who will boo him. Yeah. yeah, I just I just I could see him standing up and, you know, you know, leading his question by raising up this box of the Barnum animal crackers and say, you know, just always have some of these. And, you know, <laughs> I've always on my person just in memory of you live. And I have some questions about these animal crackers, but he was going to ask. And I was just like, I was like, please, please, please don't please don't do this. Please don't do it. And, and he he could tell in my eyes that I was truly terrified. That if they if they called on him, which they would have, I would have bailed, you know. <laughs> but uh, thankfully, he, he did not. I, I just yeah would have gone really really poorly. I think. Um, yeah, that's not appropriate. You have you have to have more respect for Liv Tyler than that. Oh, Liv's this is Arwen. She gave up immortality mm-hmm. to be with Aragorn. Yeah, she deserves our utmost respect. Great in that thing you do as well. Um, number five for me is a movie that like honestly, I don't. I don't know how many people have seen that. I feel like very few because no one ever talks about it. Definitely a forgotten film. And it's called Changing Lanes. This is a very simple film about a young Wall Street lawyer played by uh, Ben Affleck. He gets in a car accident. He runs. He rams into uh, Samuel Jackson, who's kind of this insurance, middle-aged insurance salesman. And uh, they have an altercation, kind of an argument or whatever. Ben Affleck just leaves the scene of the accident. And the rest of the movie is about... Uh, these two people basically trying to get back at each other and um, things start to spiral out of control and it's called changing lanes. And uh, I on I put it on my list without even looking it up to see like, I have no memory if it was like critically lauded. I, I, I was pretty certain it didn't have a big box office cause no one ever talks about this movie, but it's like 77% rotten tomatoes. The budget was 45 million, which is seems pretty high for, uh, for a film like this. Um, it made 94 million. So that's some success. Kind of a forgotten movie. It's definitely a forgotten movie. It's not super rewatchable, but Ben Affleck's really, I, for me, it certainly was the beginning of uh, seeing his real acting chops. I thought he was actually really, really good in that. So that's mm-hmm. my number five is Changing Lanes. That was a 2002 film. What's next for I you? think that, that that type of movie was very specifically early 2000s. Yeah. I, I think we were, that period Collateral. is like long. Yeah. That, that whole period of filmmaking is underappreciated. And I think a lot of it's forgotten. And oh, I think yeah. we're going to maybe in five, five or 10 years or so, we're going to look back on that specific a turn of the century around 9-11, like five year to 10 year span. Um, that first decade of 2000s is something that is like um, a hidden gem. It's like hidden in plain sight gem. So good call on that one. I like it. Thanks. Uh, number four for me is Goodwill Hunting. I mean, that goes without saying. His performance in that, so the reason I put that one as not one of his best performances, he's just not in it enough. Like Chucky yeah, is just it's, not. It's not his movie. No, 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 not at all. It's it's Matt's movie, rightfully so. He's the better actor. Um, and but he he plays the perfect like best friend. Like we all wanted a Chucky in our lives. He's perfect. Um, uh, I just think like I constantly think back of the scene where he plays uh, Reese Will's lawyer. Retainer. <laughs> <lawyer>. Yes. <laughs> Was that his lawyer, or was that when he was his, he sat in for the inner for his uh, job interview? With the, yeah, with the NSA, I think it is supposed to be. Yeah, that's yeah, right. very very funny scene. But yeah, there's a there's a th- that that rapport that he has, the connection that he has with Matt Damon is 
it's perfectly on display. Like they have such um, like insane chemistry that it's just the way they feed off each other is um, you can tell they're really, they were best friends or really close friends in real life. Um, Yeah. It's all so, fully on display in that movie. So this is my number one. So we'll just talk about it. Now. Oh, nice. Yeah, and, and it's it's my number one because I, I I want I hesitated because it's not Ben's movie and making a list of ben, best Ben Affleck performances I otherwise wouldn't pick this one because it's definitely Matt's movie. But w- my favorite scene in this movie is because of Ben Affleck. Yeah, and it sets up what I think is one of the all time great endings of any movie is because of what Ben Affleck does in this scene and it's that infamous on the construction site. The, you know, um, that whole pep talk he gives where he basically tells him, hey, if you're here in five years, I'm going to kill you. You're sitting on a winning lottery ticket. And it's one of the most inspirational, heartfelt. And you, and you talk about the rapport that those two have. It is as evident in that scene as ever in anything I've seen them in. And it is, well, I guess throughout that movie, I don't know how many other movies they've been in together. Is that maybe the only one other than Candy? No, they did Dogma together. Oh, do- yeah. That one. Okay. That's right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, but him saying, you know, like. My, the best part of my day is when I go to pick you up and and thinking maybe you won't be there. No goodbye, no nothing, like just packed up and left. And it's, it is delivered in a way that is really remarkable. Look, you're my best friend, so don't take this the wrong way. In 20 years, if you're still living here, coming over to my house to watch the Patriots game, still working construction, I'll f- kill you. That's not a threat. What? That's a fact. I'll f- kill you. What are you talking about? Look, you got something none of us have. Oh, come on. Why, why is it always this? I mean, I know it to myself to do this or that. What if I don't no, want to? No, no, no. You. you don't owe it to yourself. You owe it to me. Because tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'll be 50. And I'll still be doing this. That's all right. That's fine. I mean, you're sitting on a winning lottery ticket. You're too much of a to cash it in. And that's bullshit. Because I'd do anything to have what you got. So would any of these guys. It'd be an insult to us if you're still here in 20 years. Hanging around here is a waste of your time. You don't know that. I don't? No. You don't know that. Oh, I don't know that. Let me tell you what I do know. Every day I come by your house and I pick you up. And we go out, we have a few drinks and a few laughs, and it's great. You know what the best part of my day is? for about 10 seconds from when I pull up to the curb and when I get to your door. Because I think maybe I'll get up there and I'll knock on the door and you won't be there. No goodbye, no see you later, no nothing. I'm just left. I don't know much, but I know that. I'm, I, I don't know how many times they practiced that scene. I know that this movie was in development for a while, but you could tell that they knew the power of the movie rested a lot on that scene and how it was executed. And it's all Ben Affleck. It's all Chucky. And so when you get to that end... And, and, it, and it happens. Oh, man, does it hit home. It's so good. And it's just it's just a it's a small little scene, but it's a powerful piece of acting for Matt. One like, of my favorite so scenes ever uh, of anything. It's just yeah. so it's so phenomenal. Um, you talk about how, how long they rehearsed that. Who knows? But I think it's a lifetime. It's as long as they were yeah. friends is basically how long yeah. they, it took to perfect that line um, because he is talking to his friend in, in that moment. And it's just it comes through. Uh, he's talking from his heart and, um, it's, it's awesome. It's a great scene. Um, I love, I love that movie again. That's one that I can watch constantly. Oh, co- uh, such a rewatchable. Oh, I watch Williams. it at least probably four times a year. Like no, no joke. <laughs> it's so good. And the yeah. Elliot Smith song, Miss Misery, when yeah. it comes in and I watch it all the way through the credits cause that song is good. I love the yeah. artist. Like yeah. it, it's use of that in Angelus and the Elliot Smith. Song. I mean, it's just like the, from the soundtrack. Everyone acting from Stellan Skarsgård and then Robin Williams, of course. Um, but it's just a gem of a movie. Just so good. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I think that it's, it became kind of a joke, like a punchline, like these two guys or whatever. For whatever yeah. reason, like they were thought of like kind of like clowns or yeah. Yeah. not as serious actors. But looking back, I think that movie is it's one of the best movies of that late 90s by far. Oh. It's just well, it we did our top on, ten, our f- ten favorite films of all time podcast a while yes. back, and it's it might it was in my top ten. It's one of my ten favorite movies ever. Yeah, I mean, for for just a fan of movie and cinema, I think that is. I mean, it doesn't really get much better than that if you're talking about just like a buddy movie. Um, yeah, I I constantly go back to it. And I think it's uh, so good. they were at their peak in that in that yeah. one movie. So they deserved call. that screenwriting Oscar. Uh, yeah, for, for sure. sure. 
so my number four was Argo. And uh, this is, look, he's doing double duty here. Uh, probably triple duty, right? I mean, did he help Did he help write the script? I don't remember that. I know he, this is a film he directed. He mm-hmm. is the star in it. Um, and he was an executive producer. And he won an Academy Award in that role, producer. Um, this is not a flashy performance by Ben. I don't know if he's trying to play it like the real life subject um, that he's portraying. But he does act in a way that's muted enough that you understand... He, that as a, it's a decision as a director, um, literally directing himself, that like he doesn't need to be the show here. There's so much going on in the story and it's intense and everything is that he allows uh, allows other people to shine. Every scene he's in with John Goodman and who is it, is it Alan Arkin? Um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, you can tell that it's it's showcases for them. Even uh, is it Brian Cranston when he's with him? Like he knows how to even though he's in almost every scene, he is the main character. Uh, it's not a showy performance, but it's it's that it's very very intentional, and it makes the movie a lot better because of it. His character might not be all that interesting, but it was the right choice, I feel like, from an acting perspective, and certainly smart as a director to know like you don't you don't need to be a Ben Affleck from Armageddon for this movie to to work. And of course, it worked. It won the Academy Award for Best Picture, and you know that means everything. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's the whole reason that anyone acts. They they want to. They want yeah. to win a uh, an Oscar. That's so. right. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, what's your number Good three? Call. I liked Argo. Uh, my number three is Chasing Amy. We talked about oh, yeah. this one earlier. Yep. Um, I just think that this was really the start of when he, um, when he realized he could be a leading man. Uh, he, he's just creating this movie throughout. He shows a lot of heart. He shows a lot of uh, his his range. Uh, ben Affleck is not actually he he doesn't have a real wide range. But what he does specifically within his range is really good. Mm. So if he stays in that lane and he doesn't change lanes, oh yeah, <laughs> trouble. And he's safe. He he's gonna hit a home run in his yeah. movie, I think. Um, so if he sticks with his bread and butter, he's really good. And I think Chasing Amy is really when he started to establish that that lane that he can fit in, he can exist in. So he really nailed it. Again, can't recommend that movie enough. Well, my number three is something I suspect is on your list as well. And I'm curious if you feel like he was staying in his lane here. Um, and that is The Town. It's my so number two. It's number yeah. two. Okay. Yeah. Ben's good in this. Ben's really good in this. And 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 it's saying a lot considering Jeremy Renner's even better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I love I love this this short simple scene, and maybe it's not the best showcase of acting, but I love when he comes up and asks Jeremy Renner for help with something that he can never ask him about. But they got to go hurt some people. Uh, he's like, "I need your help. You can't ever ask me about it again. We can never talk about it. We're, we're gonna hurt some people." And uh, he's like, "Which guy are we taking?" Uh, <laughs> but in that movie, he again pulling double duty. He's he's um, directing. He's acting. It's certainly more of a showy performance than it was in Argo. But um, but overall, the town is a better movie. Even though I don't even think it got nominated for best picture or anything like that. It should have. It's, it's a great movie. It. It's really great. He's great, and it's great it. because in part because of his performance. So. Yeah, yeah, yes. Good authentic Boston accents. Not that I'm the expert on that kind of thing, but I trust I trust them. What's your number? Be three or two, or two? Uh, is... Yeah. So number two was the town. Yeah, and three was chasing Amy. Yes. So what's your uh, number one? So my number one is actually not his best performance, but it is a wild card Whoa. that I don't think anyone has seen other than like me and my brother. All right, cue the Where wild it's... card music. Cue the wild card music. <laughs> exactly. Play the stinger. Um, this movie, my brother and I were obsessed with this movie. It, it's the movie Glory Days. What? And if you, I don't blame you for not ever hearing of it. It's a movie that came out in 1995. Very, very independent um, so the cast is actually kind of interesting. It's a young Sam Rockwell. Uh, French Stewart is in it. Um, Alyssa Milano has a tiny little part in it. John Reese Davies is in it. Um, John Matthew Rhys- McConaughey. Matthew what? McConaughey is a tiny little part. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah. So what? this movie glory, this movie glory days is all about, uh, Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck plays the leading man. It's all about, um, this guy who is in his senior year of college and he doesn't know what he's about to graduate. He's about to graduate and he does not know what he's, he's supposed to do next. He's like, he is like, this is a Gen X movie. This is 1995. He's like really disaffected youth. Doesn't know what to do. He comes from a middle-class family. 
um, has all these problems, doesn't know what he's supposed to do with his life. His parents don't uh, appreciate it. He's an artist. His parents don't appreciate him. Um, he's yeah, he's he's the classic troubled college uh, graduate. It's, and so it's so glory the days reason, spelled D-A-Z-E. Yeah, exactly. Glory okay. days. <sighs> this movie is not on Blu-ray. It's it's available on DVD. Um, I had a VHS copy. And the whole reason my brother and I used to watch it all the time is because this movie, for some reason, it has like a punk rock aesthetic. Like he, Ben Affleck has a mohawk in this. I'm looking at the poster, by the way. This is incredible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Ben <laughs> Affleck. Um, yeah, so the soundtrack is like all these punk bands that we used to listen to growing up. And that's how we dis- discovered it because the soundtrack. Um, and then we found the movie like on VHS. So you discovered it through the soundtrack. Through the soundtrack, exactly. There you go. Look at this. Oh my god! <laughs> it is, it's ridiculous. The movie wow. is 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 really. I'm bad. no longer really... the person with the worst facial hair on the podcast. Oh, <laughs> look at this. It's, goes it's to Mr. So, Affleck. So bad. Uh, yeah. So it, the movie is silly. It's it's just not good. It's not good at all. But um, Sam Rockwell, French Stewart. Wow. Yeah. It, so so all these all his uh, friends they live in like a almost like a frat house essentially. And all of them have the same problem. They don't know what to do with their future. And they're, they're kind of like aimlessly going about, they don't know, like French Stewart has been in college for 10 years or something. Um, it's just, it's, it's a movie that's filled with cliches. I'll just put it that way. Wow. Um, but I liked it because of the soundtrack and, um, because it had Ben Affleck in it. So glory yeah. days. Perfect. Oh, 1995. I had no idea. No clue. It has a, it has a 5.5 rating on IMDb. I think it's so. scrubbed. I was going to say, is it scrubbed from his IMDb and Wikipedia? Because that is <laughs> a deep pull. Holy cow. My goodness. That hair. Yeah. Oh it's, my God. it's silly. It is, it's incredibly silly. Yeah, so he's like the angsty 20-something. In oh, this. I love this um, pick. I love yeah. this pick. This is great. I'm, I'm going to watch it. I'm, it's, it's late night pop. I'm going to watch like it tonight. It. I'm well, sure I, mean, I will. It has Sam Rockwell in it. So. I love Sam. Mm-hmm. He's not playing a racist in this, is he? Because he is not. Okay. No, no. He's been typecast. He's not a today. sheriff. He doesn't say anything. Oh, good. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I mentioned my number one was Goodwill Hunting. So my number two movie we have yet to talk about, other than my one misstep of calling "Gone Baby Gone" by this title, but it is David Fincher's Gone Girl. Oh, yeah. Uh, much has been made about this movie, which is adapted from a very popular New York Times bestseller. But much has been made about Fincher adapting from the source material um, somewhat loosely, but more interested in making this movie almost like semi about Ben Affleck in real life. But it, but within the context and the wrappings of this story from the source material. And I guess there's a lot of wink winkness to it. I, I honestly didn't catch that the first time I watched it. Um, I, I've heard other podcasts and film critics reference how it's a meta commentary on Ben Affleck's career as a movie star and in his public persona. And that's one of the reasons why Ben was signed on to do it. Um, But just none of those are the reasons why I'm interested in it or his performance, but he has to play someone that has a wife that's gone missing, presumably murdered, you know, and he goes from someone that's being accused in a very public way to having to show the emotions of like being sad, um, but also not like making sure it doesn't look like he did it. And anyway, it just this range of emotion that he's required to display. And it's the character he's playing is like also not that redeemable. He's like somewhat of kind of a dirtbaggy type of guy. Um, and it's just, he plays it so well. Uh, it's such a good performance. The thing is, is it's Rosamund Pike's movie. Who's just absolute dynamite in this movie. She's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, she absolutely should have won the Oscar. I don't know who did that year. I'm pretty sure she was nominated, but it's it's definitely her movie. Um, but Ben Affleck shows that you know, even playing second banana, he's able to still turn in really really good performance. So that was my number two, Fincher's Gone Girl. So Great that call. that brings us to Ben Affleck's most recent movie, which is not a movie that's relying on his charisma or his charm or his looks. This is the movie The Way Back from Gavin O'Connor about a man struggling with his demons and addiction uh, while he is asked to coach the high school basketball team from his alma mater, this Catholic high school. And it's a, it's a tale of recovery and redemption. And Aaron, did you like this movie? I love this movie. You did? I absolutely, absolutely love this movie. I think this uh, this movie 
kind of, I mean, you know, you go into a movie like this and you expect to paint by numbers. We talk about this often now, how we have these expectations for these, especially these sports movies. However, it's like catnip for me. Like this, this is right up my alley. I love a redemption story. I love a story where someone is reluctantly coaching a ragtag group of kids. <laughs> That's what this movie is. Oh yeah. Um, so it is just so much fun. And then also like they go into the depths of, you know, Ben Affleck's other demons. And I personally, I, I found that stuff really compelling and I thought it was really interesting the way I handled it. Um, and, and I like the juxtaposition with, you know, his success on the basketball court with his team, his redemption. Um, and I think just the movie itself um, altogether really worked for me. I enjoyed it from the very beginning to the end. And I think this is the movie that I'm going to end up watching a million times. Really? It's on TV. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. It feels like a good TV. Oh. Yeah. This is a cable. If this if this is running on HBO, I'm definitely watching it at any point. It could be the last 30 minutes or the very start. I'm I'm tuning in. Who's the MVP of that squad? <laughs> <laughs> I, MVP is the kid uh, that they with the kid with the bandana. Vinny, who is also yeah. on, the, on the football team. Vinny, I think is his name. If, it's the guy uh, with the no, three Vinny point shot. No, Vinny is the three-point shooter. Yeah. I'm talking about the other guy that was oh. a strong safety on the floor. Oh, that's right. That's right. The, oh, the, that's right. Yeah. The bruiser down below. The, exactly. And the reason he's my MVP is because they they took his style. Like, the style of the team is based off of his play. Yeah. He's the one that established that. So oh, Ben yeah. saw that he that, um, that, that style of play was effective, even though he was undersized. Um, but he said, we have to play that like bulldogs. Basically the entire team has to play like bulldogs. Yeah. They want to win. So look, I, so he's my, I, uh, this movie, <laughs> I don't think I liked it as much as you did in terms of the, in totality. I still certainly enjoyed it. My main griper issue, I should say, not really a gripe is that the basketball stuff in this movie is so good. And I was so invested in it. That whenever it had to pivot to kind of revisit the the really what's the a plot and that's this you know this person struggling with addiction and his life is it's bleak things are uh, you know it's going down a path where he's he's really really struggling and everyone is what life is worried about him and he doesn't want to hear anyone telling him that he they're worried about him and it kind of triggers him uh, and you see just it's it's of course it's difficult to watch anyone going through those struggles and typically. You know, I I actually find a lot of that cinema compelling, especially from Gavin O'Connor, who's made movies like Warrior, who has mm -hmm. the Nick Nolte character, which is certainly a highlight in that movie that is uh, struggling with sobriety. And um, and Gavin O'Connor is just so good at hitting these emotional beats that really work for me. It's something about the style of this filmmaking with the music, with the he's just very good at just just bringing a certain part of my emotions out. And he definitely does it here. But because I enjoyed the like miracle kind of uh, season that was unfolding without giving away too much. I mean, this basketball team he's asked to take over, you know, surprise isn't good, right? <laughs> like hasn't won a game or maybe one game or something crazy um, and hasn't been good for a long time. And so, of course, you're rooting for that success. And as you as I'm getting to know these players and their commitment to the diamond full court press, which I thought was a brilliant move by the coach. Um <laughs> You know, I, I was loving that part of the storyline that it was hard for me because I wanted more of that. That was my, my biggest complaint is I want more basketball. I want more basketball team. Like the basketball was shot well. It was gripping each game. I really, really enjoyed even the coaches yelling at each other, the stuff with the refs, all that stuff. Even Ben Affleck's character who's really struggling to keep from yelling at profane things. Meanwhile, there's literally like a, a Catholic priest who travels with the team who's there to and you know make sure that the code of conduct is being followed which it is not when it comes to profanities <laughs> but um but that stuff was so good that i became yeah. less interested especially as things were kind of piling on more and more like kind of bad thing and then a, this thing and then there's another struggle here or another emotional beat that it was like oh man i want to get back on the basketball court but um overall i still felt like this was a really really good movie i'm glad it got made it doesn't without ben affleck and gavin o'connor this is a, this otherwise would probably be something on a direct streaming service, not quality, not for lack of quality. It's very high quality, but I am surprised that they were able to talk whoever financed this into financing it and have and giving it a, a, a wide distribution. I'm assuming it's only because of the fact that this movie and the demons that the character is fighting reflects Ben Affleck's real life almost in real time. And they felt 
um, probably in an exploitative way that that might get people into the theaters. But are you surprised to see a movie like this get made? Or I am pretty surprised. Like it's it's kind of like we've been here before a lot in these types of stuff. But it's yeah. great. Like it, it it is a genre really well done. unto itself, and I think this is one of the better ones. Um, but it is. Uh, it, um, Oh, what I was going to say is this is a, probably a low budget movie and that's really why it got made. I think it feels because like it. Yeah. It feels like they, they got their money's worth. Um, it's, it, I think it, it, so Gavin O'Connor, the way he directs is very subtle, but he, I think he adds something to this genre with his, yeah. um, what he did with this movie, the story that he tells. I really like the way he, he shot the basketball stuff. Yes. Um, I don't, don't want to spoil anything, but the way that he, the way that he um he gives you the result of yeah. the of the game is really great. It. It's a novel approach, it. and I love the way he handled that. Um, oh, and I wanted to mention this movie is very funny. It's yeah. especially early in the movie. There is a ton of laughs. The kids are great. Um, the kids are awesome. The kids on his team are fantastic. A lot of personality. Yep. They all have their little specific roles. You know what they're gonna be because we've seen these archetypes before and. In different uh, uh, different other sports movies, but this is a movie for a next generation moviegoer that hasn't necessarily seen the Bad News Bears or oh, or sure. the Mighty Ducks. Or this is a movie for them, and and so it's a mixture of the two. So it's a movie for Ben Affleck specifically, like you said, talked about his getting his demons out. But it's also for the next generation of moviegoers. Um, in my theater, there was a bunch of high school kids. Like yeah, you know, they were and they loved it. They yeah, you know, this is the, this is the movie for them. Um, and so the reason that I really like the Ben Affleck demon stuff is, you know, for anyone that's dealt with addiction or the de- mm. like family members that uh, or, um, have struggled with addiction. I have personally, I really connected like with what, um, the way that he was portraying it on the screen and you, and you know, it's authentic because the man himself has struggled with alcoholism and he's talked about that a lot. And even his brother has talked about how their father was an alcoholic and both of them have struggled with alcohol. Um, so there's, he lends an authenticity to the performance and, and, and you really see how much, um, he, it is a demon for him and it, and it does weigh on him and it controls his life essentially. Um, but he struggles through like, so that's the one thing that I think that is important to talk about when you're talking about addiction in a movie. A lot of times it's portrayed as people that are addicts, they, they're, they're bums living on the street or homeless or that's not the case. Like most people that are addicted to any substance, are functioning so he is actually profoundly addicted to alcohol but he is functioning because he holds down a job and you know um coaches the team. a relationship one yeah. point and and so that's the reality of things most people that are addicts they're they are functioning so th- they struggle with these uh balancing a life with all the with also this demon that weighs down on them so i thought he really portrayed that well in this um and i think getting into specifically what led him into down this dark path is it's really heart-wrenching and uh and it's hard to watch Um, it is but i think i think it was handled well and i think there was there's a scene in this that like really hit me hard um when because i mean i don't want to spoil anything but of course like you're not going to watch a movie like this and realize it's it's going to have a happy ending i'm sorry to say but it's just going to have a happy ending and of course, one of the things that's going to happen is he's going to get help for his addiction at some point. Um, so he does. He he goes to rehab, and there's a moment in rehab where he's, you know, he's he's getting therapy for it. And when he's talking about like just talking out these problems, and you see that he's never talked this stuff out before, that feels so authentic. Um, you know, not just because you know you know he's he's done it before, but anyone that has gone to therapy. Yep. You, you understand, like, this is what it feels like to talk your problems out for the first time ever, to to let the guard down, to um, let somebody else in and try to help you. And and I think that the way that it is expressed on the screen feels so real and valid. And I thought I appreciate the fact that someone who has really struggled with it is actually doing it on the screen. So I, I give him huge props because that could not have been easy to make no. this movie. Um yeah. But also, so, it's, I feel I can't help but feel like it's the reason he did it. Oh, too. absolutely. There's, mean, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. This was uh, this was certainly a personal movie for him, and I appreciate the fact that he he, he took took a chance and made something like this, and he 
he really committed himself. I think he great. He, this is one of his better performances. I was just going to say really that. A, is this top the yeah. list for you? Because I, I couldn't help but feel that throughout the movie. I was like, this might be his best single performance as a whole, just in totality. It's, it's, it's really good. Like, it's really, it's up there. It's, it's probably a top three. And yeah, because he's, he's fantastic. Like this is, so good. this is as good as he can get um, within his range, which is, we know is limited. There's, <laughs> yeah, but the, like, even this is an insignificant moment, but there is a early on in his coaching uh, career at this <laughs> newfound coaching career. There's a coach that's, losing the opposing coach is losing his mind he's so upset at the other coach for this kind of bush league move or, or flagrant foul that's uh committed by one of ben affleck's characters and the other coach is yelling at ben affleck being like get all your players out and and he looks over at him and he gives this this little like he kind of squints his eyes a little bit raises cheeks and puts his hand slow, raises his hand and puts it down kind of like easy but like come on like <laughs> But he does it in this way that's like very like, oh, I've seen that exact expression where you're like where someone's observing someone else like just losing control of their emotions and him being like, okay, like, buddy, relax. This is a high school basketball game. Like easy. (laughs) But he doesn't like it it wasn't a significant scene by any stretch. But looking at just that one little moment, I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's like I can identify with that exact look. Like that's very real. Like, okay, bud. Yeah. Cool it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, no. All the coaching scenes are—they're phenomenal. I, I, I realize one of the reasons why I, I was so uh, endeared to the basketball part of this is one you mentioned, Gavin O'Connor. I think uh, edited it and shot it in a way that was so fun. And there, there's a re- there's a right and a wrong way to shoot basketball in movies, but also there's a dearth of good basketball films. Just mm-hmm. period. I was just gonna like. I realized that I'm starving for a good basketball movie and the little crumbs that they gave me, maybe it's a little bit more than that. Um, it was just like, I realized that I, it, there's a, a void there. I have a real appetite. Um, I'm trying to think of the last great theatrically released basketball movie and I'm struggling. It's uh, been a while. It's been a very, very long while. I don't even um, know I, what the best basketball film is period. Like, you know, we it, talked about uncut gems being a basketball movie. Yeah. It's not but in that cheating. Sense. I'm talking about, yeah, Encore. Yeah, uh, yeah if Encore, I mean. It's it, like it's, Coach, it's I remember seeing say. Coach Carter, but that's a movie not without what, flaws. Glor- yeah, what's the uh, Sam Rockwell where he's the coach of the girls' oh, basketball yeah. team? That's right. Oh, that's yeah. Solid. It's got with Emma that's, Roberts. Yeah. I actually did like that one a lot. Um, and then there's Glory Road. Which is not, not good. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. No, better see, yeah, I'd rather see Glory Days. For me, <laughs> yes, we need to do a glory days pod. Now, I, I'm gonna, gonna see it, I'm gonna watch it right after this pod. That's what I'm gonna to, fall asleep to. You're tonight. gonna have to buy the DVD because, again, <laughs> it is not actually glory days. I think is on Amazon Prime last time I checked. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah I wonder if Ben so Affleck he, pays to keep that off the streamers. He probably just <laughs> foots the bill to keep it off. He should licenses it to not to be streamed. Uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, there's just not a lot of good basketball movies. Hoosiers with no. uh, Gene Hackman hasn't really. Yeah, aged. I mean, this is a very much a Hoosier movie. Like this is a modern. Yeah, oh, it feels movie. very much like it. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, anyway, I'm here for. I, I know Gavin, Gavin O'Connor. From what I understand, Gavin O'Connor has listened to the podcast in the past. So if he catches this episode, uh, uh, Gavin, we're here if you want to just make a an all-out basketball movie, just or, just about I mean, basketball. If he wants to make a high school football movie. You, sir, do have some experience playing on the high school football team? Oh, do I? Uh, you're talking to strong safety here from the junior Bulldogs. Look, I might be 33 years old, okay? But if I shave this facial hair, look, I'm 14 again. I mean, I'm ready to go. Put me in, coach. I can do it. Can you can you do me a favor and pull up that photo you showed me earlier of <laughs> in our younger days? Of me? I Let's see. I have it nearby. Actually, I think I might have put it up on the fridge with a magnet. Yeah, I wanted visitors to our home and our kitchen to see it. Um, <laughs> it has my stats on the back too, yes, um, yeah. which I need to memorize. <laughs> uh, what but, number did you wear when you were playing for the Bulldogs? Which number? Yeah, what was your number? Oh, 24. 24. 24 is my go. number. Yep. I did that for rec basketball, football. It's my lucky number. And that was before Kiefer Sutherland tried to freaking take ownership of 24. Uh, awful then, movie. Uh, or, I mean, or, sorry, awful TV series. I mean, great number. <laughs> great number. Yeah. It is a great number. Um, there's a, I mean, Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. There's a reason. Um, the one and only. Greatness, which um, 
I will say my Kobe Bryant jersey finally came in the mail today. I, I felt a need. Literally, I think it was the day he passed. I um, I just felt like I owed it to him, which is sure. funny because it has nothing His to legacy. do with him. I owed it to him. So I went to a bootleg Chinese website and ordered a, <laughs> a fake jersey. No, but like I would never Kobe purchase would a Laker jersey. So I didn't. Yeah. I purchased a lower Marion High School number 33 Kobe Bryant jersey. And honestly, it I looks great. That. It's in, it's high quality embroidered. I don't know if I'll wear it publicly or if I'll like, display say, it. When you wear a basketball jersey, are you do you go oh, just yeah, it's a good no question. shirt underneath no. or what do you do? <laughs> Absolutely not. No. If you're familiar at all with the uh with Bacne, you yeah, then no, I don't go without a shirt under. Well, I was going to say do you pull like the the Anthony Davis where he wears like a full on <laughs> long sleeve undershirt so i i wear long sleeve i wear long sleeves that's my that's my go-to move so i i have a serious i kid you not because i have a in my uh in my walk-in small walk-in closet in the master bedroom i have a rack of all my folks i've seen it it's not small (laughs) a bunch of kings Kings jerseys and i have um a, a bunch of different shades of purple long sleeve black long sleeve and white long sleeve depending on the color of king's jersey because i have purple i have the white i have the black and then of course the blue um kind of throwbacks and so if i'm wearing like a black king's jersey i'll put on the purple long sleeve or black either one works but i definitely it's just so much better if i wear the long sleeves short sleeves just looks like looks like i'm i'm like the dad who wants to play pickup afterwards (laughs) that's never gonna pass the ball and you know it's just like it's a bad look and so Well, I respect anyone like let's say you go to the mall and you just see someone in a, a just a basketball jersey just nothing the, underneath just the jersey it's just amazing jersey. it's it's a flex it's a flex of flex for me it's like that guy was like that person's like, I'm going I'm going out in public I want to wear a basketball jersey yeah. and this is how the people who play the game well, most of them wear it yeah. and 99 times out of 100 they have no business wearing that jersey no 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 just like how I have no business doing that. Um, well, there's. I was gonna say the reason I'm a hockey fan is because they have sweaters. Oh, that's so great. That is that's the jersey is a sweater. That's great. So. See, I can't. Yeah, that's tricky with basketball jerseys, though. It really is tricky. That's why I have to do the long sleeves. But what's interesting about that is, is I. What's also tricky about it is I don't wear it in public unless I'm at a game. Yeah. Or a Kings rally, but I wear it to games. That's it. I don't go to Walmart or you know, Target or you know or whatever. I'm kind wherever of I bummed you shopping. didn't wear it to the movie. I don't wear it to the movies. I, you know what's funny is you mentioned that I was I walked out the door on my way to the way back, and I took one hard look at the Lower Marion jersey, and I thought, um, should I do it? Uh, and I walked into my closet. I looked at the long sleeved. I was purple with this. No, it's like a maroon. It's like this burgundy kind of the Lower Marion color. It's like oh, the purple's not going to work. The black might. And then I was like, what am I doing? No, I'm not wearing a Kobe jersey to the way back. I'm not I'm not wearing a Kobe jersey. I'm not I'm going in <laughs> going in my normal shirt. What am I the fact I just I really thought about it. I thought like in some weird I was like, Kobe would want me to do this. And I realized I was like, he no, would. he wouldn't. He would. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can we say one one thing that we didn't mention in this movie? Heavily featured in this movie was Ben Affleck's tattoos, his real tattoos. Mm-hmm. Heavily yeah. featured. All, surprised they didn't the makeup department didn't insist on covering them up but it's, it's better it's way better that they didn't i think let's just say this was the rise of the phoenix it was uh <laughs> for those of you that, that don't know he famously has an enormous complete i mean we have it on the facebook live pod you can see a little bit of it he has this enormous colorful phoenix bird tattoo that covers his entire back from yep. lower back all the way up to above the shoulders it is really something incredible and and he initially denied that it was real and said it was for a movie when paparazzi had first got a pic of him on the beach and uh i think it was a couple years later there were more pictures of him with it and people he had what to, you movie know, would that be for <laughs> he didn't specify I, I would love to know guy with the phoenix tattoo is that the uh sequel to Girl yeah, with the dragon tattoo. That's exactly right. Yeah, he was he was he was, he was begging Fincher reboot. to do another movie with him, and he and he was committed. <laughs> he said, "Check this out, <laughs> please cast me again." Um, but uh, I don't want to. I don't want to tattoo shame. It's it, but it was a choice. It was a choice. He made a so, bold choice. Yeah, absolutely. So he's got a lot of ink. We we know that now. Oh my, yeah. Well, Multiple I, shower scenes in this movie. I, I can't imagine how many hours it took to craft that phoenix on his back. Like, oh yeah. 
gosh. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, anyway, well, there's, there's our Ben Affleck pod. I think we covered it. Anything else we you want to? Justice. We what? did justice to his very. Ben Affleck yeah. has had a very good career. Oh yeah. Oh, I was. I mean, I wrote down just a bunch of the movies that I saw him in that didn't make my list. I mean, obviously, you got Boiler Room, Pearl Harbor, Some of All Fears. He was Jack Ryan for goodness sakes. Daredevil. Uh, better like than Daredevil. the ne- yeah, better than the Netflix series. I tell you that much. Um, <laughs> Paycheck. A movie that was very just forward with, with with what they were doing. State of Play, The Company Man, a Sundance film you and I saw. No one else in the world saw that movie, and it's not bad. It's actually worth seeing. No, it's a good movie. Um, yeah, The Accountant, another Gavin O'Connor flick. Yep. Which was kind of bizarre, but I kind of loved it. Like I loved it too. It's you know, it, I wouldn't defend it, but I love it anyway. Triple Frontier is another one that I I won't defend it, but I also loved it. it I loved it for what it was. You didn't as much. It's watchable. Wasn't but uh, it was fun trash. Sure. Uh, streaming yeah. content it's perfect so. for netflix yeah no kidding so i'm just grateful that the way back is now it is, it's the i guess the title uh, or the belt holder for the best movie titled the way back which is uh so it beats the, the siberian prison escape movie i think with ed harris and it beats the way way back with uh, sam rockwell so <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a good hey movie. did you know there's an um there is an accountant sequel rumored there's no way they're making it though there's no way. It's rumored. It's rumored. It's rumored? I, yeah. well, but what's the tagline of that movie, by the way? It's like, you know, mm. tax. Yeah, it's tax season. You know, like something about uh, tax season comes once a year or something. <laughs> what is it like? It's that time of year again. Um, it's, uh, something uh, with the CPA at the end of it. Like, yeah. some, uh, what, what, like what, how are we? Um, yeah, because you can't call it the accountant two. No. It's it's uh, time to pay your taxes. No, that's not no. good. Uh, taxing that ass. <laughs> Can we say that? Can we say that? How about that? Oh, I got it. I got it. Because it's the guns and stuff. H&R Glock. Oh, my. <laughs> On that note, we're done. Amazing. Not going to get better than that. H&R Glock. Coming soon. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Brave Little Podcast. Hold on to your butts. And the Oscar goes to Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Yeah! Uh, I just said to Matt, losing would suck and winning would be really scary. And it's really, really scary. Uh... Um, you know, we're, we're, we're just really two young guys who ha- uh, we're fortunate enough to be involved with a lot of great people wh- whom uh, it's coming upon us to, there's no way we're doing this in less than 20 seconds, who, on, upon whom it's incumbent of us to thank um, Harvey Weinstein, who believed in us and made this movie, Gus Van Sant for brilliant direction, Robin Williams, who delivered some great lines, Minnie Driver, whose performance was brilliant, Stellan Skarsgård, who was great, Your brother. Um, my brother Casey, who's brilliant in the Cole movie. Hazard. Cole Hauser, my mother, John, John and Matt's mother, the most beautiful women here. My dad right morning. over there. And, um, Jack said hi to you. Sh- and, uh, All right. who, who, who else? Uh, John uh, Gordon from Miramax. John Gordon. Uh, Chris Moore produced Chris the Moore. movie. And, Chris uh, Moore. Patrick Weitzel, the best agent in Hollywood. Yeah, and, uh, Patrick Weitzel. And Cuba Gooding for showing us how to give our acceptance speech. And, uh, um, and all our friends and, and family. And, and everybody back in and, Boston watching us tonight. And thank you so much, the city of Boston. And, 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 and God, I know we're forgetting somebody. Whoever we forgot, we love you and we, we love thank you. We love you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah.